So here we go. I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, April 11th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage it in some cases start conversations. We kind of take break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers and we don't do Buffalo speeches or get all Native mystic or anything like that. We uh, take a, a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us, and we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk Native. But first, let me remind folks that our audio streams live on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. Uh, we stream live video of the show on Facebook Live on a bunch of Facebook group pages. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which goes out as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So I suggest that you subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, but I also really want to encourage people to, to go to our website. Um, I'm wearing a uh, one of our our shirts. It is it is the our one of our Dakota 38 shirts. Um I know you're not used to seeing uh Abraham Lincoln in your history books with a noose in his hands, but let's be honest, Abraham Lincoln was responsible for the largest mass execution in the history of the United States when 38 Dakota were hung on a single day the day after Christmas and that this shirt uh, is a is a reminder of that on the back it's got a list of all 38 of the those that were executed that day in the largest mass execution in the history of the United States and um, it's a conversation starter uh, we've got a bunch of these other other shirts like this on our uh, in our store so take a look at uh, at the shirts that are there we've got um, some missing and murdered indigenous women shirts um, some Let's Talk Native uh, logo shirts, as well as um, we even got uh, um, Trump's likeness on a on a white skins T-shirt to mock the Washington football team. So we got you know we got a bunch of so take take a look at it. Uh, there's probably an occasion that you may <laughs> deem worthy of wearing such a shirt. Um, so so take a look at what we got there. Um, all right, I, I'm gonna well first off. I'm John Kane. I'm the host and uh, producer of the show. I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video. Um, and again, I want to thank you guys for uh, for tuning in and uh, and catching the show. I know that I'm having conversations that are oftentimes not um, the I, I guess the the common wisdom that is uh, that is uh, espoused by by native uh, radio or talking heads or anybody else. So, and and specifically now. Look, I get it that that we need to be very, very skeptical of any of the the stuff that we're we're fed, spoon fed by by the federal government, by state government, by history books, uh, by the media, all of that stuff. And I agree that there's a fair level of either propaganda or certainly a lack of transparency associated with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. I will say, though, I think I've got a different view than uh, than, than all the other, I, don't, I hate to even say conspiracy theorists, but some of them are, but all the other folks who, who think they're being lied to, many people think the whole thing's a hoax, that, you know, that, and that's not just the Trump people who say that, that there, there are others who, who try to suggest that as well. Um, there are uh, a, 
a fair number of people who think the whole thing has been blown out of proportion, that it's all about trying to install um, tracking devices on our phone and uh, RFID chips in our hands. And, and and some of that may be true. You know, I don't know how much is government versus how much is, uh, you know, um, information technology, but but I don't think the thing is being hyped up and made a bigger deal than it really is. I think just the opposite. I think this thing is far worse, and I've thought it from the, from the beginning, that this is far worse than what they're letting us know. And here's what, what concerns me. Just this past week, Tony Fauci, um, uh, uh, Trump's medical expert, who most people have, have, be, have probably given more trust to than anybody else in, in, in the Trump administration. But he um, had suggested that he believes that a more accurate number for what they anticipate the total deaths to be will be in the 60,000 range, as opposed to their initial um, uh, estimate, which was 100,000 to 200,000 people dying. Now, there's a part of me that thought they, they threw a big number out there so Trump could uh, you know, be assured that he could come in under that number and say, see, see how many lives I saved. So there was a part of me that believed that. And the the fact that they've turned this number down and, and saying it's because, you know, social distancing, distancing has worked and that kind of thing. I think there's something else that troubles me about all that. And and here's here's what it is. The United States has only tested about eight tenths of one percent. So 0.8 percent of the U.S. population. So they haven't even reached one percent. OK. Out of that that number. Over a half a million people have been um, uh, confirmed uh, as uh, as positive, you know, testing testing positive. Out of that half a million people, twenty thousand people have died, and that's just in the United States. And that's just that's less than one percent of the population tested. Now, so for them to suggest that it's only going to be sixty thousand, here's the problem: that twenty thousand people. That those are only people who have tested positive. So if you are sick, even today, if you're sick and you've got, you know, labored breathing and, uh, you know, your, your lungs are filling up, you are not going to get tested unless you need to be admitted to a hospital, unless your breathing becomes life-threatening to, to where you, you need to be. They, but they probably are going to test you. So there's a whole lot of people who have this disease who will never be tested. And 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 they'll, and most of them will survive it. Not all of them will. Because uh, you know, according to some of the reports coming out of New York City, uh, you, last week and I, and I talked about it before, last week um um uh, one of the city council members suggested that there was a, between 180 and 195 people a day dying in one way or another from from COVID-19. And they they were they're not testing dead people. If you really want to know how many people die from this disease, the only way to know is to test everybody who dies. I'm not opposed to that 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 notion, to be honest with you, because you're never going to get out in front of it. With all the testing and all the bragging about testing and rapid testing and various tests being deployed and that kind of stuff, the United States has only tested less than 1% of the population. But even with only 1% of the population, they're a third the way there. On, on this 60,000 estimate. Honestly, I think they got 60,000 people that, that may may have died already on this thing. But they'll never know because they're, got, they're not going to test dead people. 
Tigers, I guess they'll test, but 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 they aren't going to. In fact, that's what they said in New York. They said initially, when when people were dying at home, they were trying to do some some level of testing, but they got, they they got overrun. They couldn't do that. So why would people die at home? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Oh, well, first let me let me. The latest story on the New York Times was had suggested that there's been a 400 percent increase in cardiac arrest at home in in New York City. A 400% increase over a 10-day period. That's that's alarming. And 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 look, the likelihood is most of those, um, and, and again, this is speculation, most of those are probably associated with COVID-19, the, the, the uptick. But even the ones who, that aren't, that didn't, that their, that their heart didn't give out because of labored breathing, which is what would happen. If you... The reason they put you on a ventilator is because they're afraid you are going to wear out and you know and, and organs are going to fail. That's why they put that's why they put you on a ventilator. Not because a ventilator is a great option, it's the only option. So if you're home and and you can't breathe there's a good chance you will end up dying of cardiac arrest. Now here's the other thing. And and I don't I'm not saying this was handled wrong. I'm just saying just purely from an, an observational standpoint. If you have spent over a month predicting an overrun of the hospital, a shortage of staff, a shortage of beds, a shortage of ICU, a shortage of masks, a shortage of ventilators, a shortage of all this stuff, and you're home, and you're realizing that that these hospitals are being overrun by COVID-19, um, um, or at least people who suspect that, that, they're, and they're, that they're positive with COVID-19, there's a real likelihood that you don't want to go to the hospital, even if you think you, even if you think you maybe suffered a, a small heart attack. You, you know, I'm, not, I'm just at more risk going to the hospital and staying home. So there may be some people who are dying at home not because they have COVID nineteen, but because COVID nineteen has uh, has has changed the whole relationship between a person who you know who would normally go to the hospital. Here's the other downside. If you go to the hospital and you're diagnosed with COVID-19 and you get to the place where you're on a respirator and and again, Cuomo's own numbers, he's saying 80% of the people who get put on a ventilator, which means you have been um, uh, put under anesthesia, you're unconscious, and they put a tube down your throat and they pump air into your lungs and that's how you're breathing. They pump in air in and they let your lungs deflate on their own that's that's what a ventilator does you know in case you're a little unclear it's different than just putting a mask on and getting fresh oxygen this is you are put under so if 80 percent of the people who get put on a ventilator don't survive and now i'm not saying the 20 percent who do survive that i'm not making any kind of judgment about whether it's worth it or not of course if you can save lives save lives but the, but the likelihood is if you get put on a ventilator you got an 80 percent chance of not ever coming off of it and the longer you're on it, because these ventilators actually do damage to your lungs, <clears throat> they actually wear out the, the the tiny sacs at the end because they're not used to being inflated by force. They're used to having air drawn into them, not forced into them. It's a, it's a different you know physical um, activity for for your lungs. But if you get if you go to the hospital, your family can't visit you, and some people because of the grieving process, everything from funerals to you know the last rites and all that other stuff. I mean, and this has religious connotations associated with it. I'm, part of the reason that hospice has become so popular is because people would rather, when they know they're going to die, they'd rather die at home with their families. 
Nobody wants to, to go to a hospital and never see their loved ones again and die in a hospital bed alone. So when I hear uh, Andrew Cuomo saying, oh, we're, ha- we're having a reduction in the, in the hospital admissions, I don't know that that's necessarily a true sign that, that, that there are less people getting sick. I mean, it'd be nice to believe that. <clears throat> and and I'm, I'm sure that's, that's kind of what you have to say if you're a politician, right? But Andrew Cuomo has been talking for, for over a month about the chaos that was going to happen at hospitals. And, and it would have, and, 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 it, and it has, actually. I mean, I know Trump gets all bent out of shape if somebody asks him, you know, there still seems to be problems with people getting tested. He goes, no, there isn't. Well, that's not what hospitals were saying. Oh, there still seems to be a problem with masks. There are still nurses right now that are using one mask for an entire day or multiple days. That's a problem, folks. That's, that's just a problem. So my concern is that that 100 to 200,000 people dying of this disease, that prediction that was early on, that may not just be an inflated number that Trump was going to come under. That may be accurate. But you're not going to know. I mean, because none of the, there's no system in place to verify all of the deaths across the United States. I mean, I know it's easy to concentrate on New York because New York is producing some numbers that, you know, uh, that are, they're addressing some of these issues about dying at home, uh, deaths that uh, are happening that, you know, that most would assume are COVID 19, although they can't ever, they will never make the list. And I know I've got a bunch of conspiracy theorists who said, "Oh no, they're bumping up the numbers. They're 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 counting anybody who dies as a, as a COVID death." No, they're not. If you haven't been tested, then they're not going to put you as a as somebody who died as a confirmed positive uh, COVID victim. And so the numbers are now. And I'll admit, I spend a lot of time looking at the numbers, and I and maybe I obsess over them a little bit. But here's the thing with the numbers. They're only relevant to the numbers from the previous day, and they're only relevant based on the percentage of people who are being tested. Now, I know Trump likes to brag that he's doing a wonderful job, but but here's the here's the, the here's the cold hard facts. The United States has more um, confirmed by test cases than any other country, three times more than its nearest competitor. I mean, and, and there's only a few countries that are even within that ballpark comparison. So they have far and away, you know, by, you know, like I said, they're, they're, they're at um, 532,000 uh, uh, confirmed cases today. Um, they have over 20,000 dead today. So I'm, I look, I look at these numbers and, and you and you realize again they're completely based only on people who have been tested and it's only and it's based on a relatively small amount of people uh, percentage of the population so I mean, what does that number look like okay could right now again the united states has tested as of today about 0.8 that's 0.8% of the of the us population so well but how does that compare i mean cuz trump's saying they're doing wonderfully that they're managing this thing better. They're the envy of the entire world. I don't think the, you're the envy of the entire world if you have more dead people and you have more cases. And when you look at the numbers, the United States leads in total cases and leads in death right now on, on this disease. But 
I get it. They're a big country, lots of people, 330 million people. But as a percentage of their population, 41 other countries, 41 other countries have tested a higher percentage of their population in the United States. I mean, look, if you're if you're a bigger country, you also should have more resources. So you should be able to test at a, at a higher rate, especially if you're the quote-unquote greatest country on the planet. <laughs> but the United States is is 42nd. Out of 200, at a little over 200 countries, there are 41 other countries that have that have done a higher percentage of testing per their, per their population than the United States. And there are two countries that are massively bigger than the United States, and their numbers are not as high as the United States. Now, I will say that I don't necessarily trust their numbers. I don't. I find it hard to believe that China's numbers are as low as what they're saying it is. I mean, you're talking about a billion and a half people there. India, a billion, three people. And they're, you know, they're down the list. Russia and India are moving up the list. And actually, um, I don't know if you saw this, Jake, but uh, uh, China uh, had a spike in, uh, in active cases today. They had 99 cases added today, which is the most that they've added um, in, uh, in quite some time. They've been coming in at, you know, you know, 10, 20, 30 cases a day. And only you know, and today they had almost hundred hundred new cases. Now they also just lifted uh, some of the some of the the travel restrictions in in China. So there's a big push right now by Trump to want to end this economic shutdown in the United States. Yet he's still floating the number, the date around like May first that the United States will be back in business. Of course, the problem is Trump didn't shut it down. You know, the governors in various states did. Yeah, and and at various levels. So I, you know, he he boasts that he is the authority to to override governors. Yeah, I'm not so sure that he does. I don't think he does. I mean, he can he can say it in on, in a news conference. I don't think so. Um, but you know, the, his political political career is hanging in the balance on this thing. So there's there's very little question question about that. So he's going to want to, you know. <sighs> Put put the country back in business, and he brags that the, that the stock market. You know why the stock market went up this past week? Because Bernie threw in the towel. <laughs> they know that the stock market doesn't have to worry about about a, about a socialist still making a run at the at the presidency. I mean, it's not because the numbers are great. I mean, I look, I get it. You know, they're Cuomo saying that they that they've reached a plateau because of hospital admissions. Like I said, I'm a little suspect to that. You know, Trump's trying to say that you know, and his crew are all trying to say the curve's been flattened, but. I don't know if it's flattened by by spread or if it's flattened by the limited, you know, uh, testing capabilities. You know, a, a few days ago they were at 07 percent, now they're up to point eight. So I mean, they're testing more every day, which means their active cases grow. If they stopped testing today, if they stopped adding active cases to their to, to their list right now, they would st- they still have a whole bunch of people that are in hospitals, and that that death rate is going to continue without any adding any active cases. So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And, you know, when we get to the second half of the show, I'll talk, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the local stuff going on here and why that concern stays with me. But some of these numbers are, are, are really scary. And for me, what's, what's more frightening about them is I think that they are underselling this thing. I think they are under, they're downplaying and they're reducing the numbers. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're inflating the numbers. I don't believe they're inflating the numbers. There, there's no interest in the Trump administration to inflate the numbers. He doesn't want to, you know, 
be the president that has you know a, a larger death rate he's he's going to downplay the numbers and one one of the ways to downplay the numbers if you don't have um if you never get to a 10% of the population being tested and i got to tell you if 10% of the population got tested which would be over 10 times what you know, what what exists right now those numbers would be incredible and that's still only going to i'm still only talking about 10%. By the time the United States gets to 1%, 1% of the population which will take probably, you know, uh, I don't know, 4 or 5 days. I think that 20,000 uh, number for the amount of people that have died will will easily be 40,000. I think that would eat I think that would easily be 40,000 within uh, uh by the time the United States gets over over 1%. And and if I'm wrong, look, I'm I'm I talk about these numbers every show, so you'll I'll tell you. But no, I I misjudged. Uh, they didn't get to forty thousand; they only got to thirty thousand. But that's that's I mean I I'm looking at the, at the numbers and the trends. And again, I know a lot of people out there are saying, "Oh, you're just you're believing everything they're telling you." Says, no, I'm not. I'm not believing what they're telling me. I think that they're I think they're 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 downplaying this thing. I think it's worse than what they're letting people know. And look, and, and here's the, the, the saddest and the most morbid part of all, all this. Most of the people who will die of this are older and have underlying conditions. And as far as the United States, as far as you know, people who are interested in the economy, they are the people who add and have the, have the least positive impact on the, on the economy. And I know this sounds this sounds pretty shitty, but I, I honestly, if a whole lot of older people who are more costly in terms of you know uh, health coverage, you know Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff, that would be good for the, the the U.S. economy. And these guys are making that calculation, and I, just like I said about the Democrats, the Democrats are making a calculation too. The more people who die, the better uh, the better chance they have of beating Trump in, in November in the election. I mean, it comes down to that, folks. It really does come down to that. Trump's going to try to you know mask the numbers and and continue to boast that he has done that he's handled this thing perfectly. He's handled it beautifully. That the United States is the envy of the world. That there's no problems whatsoever, and that as soon as he can, you know, throw the switch, that the economy is going to bounce back, and uh, you know that he's that he's led the the strongest economy in the history of the world, and all that other stuff. Ignoring the fact that the unemployment numbers are uh, almost a fabrication, the income disparity has been a, been a joke. You have more homeless people than you've ever had before. Uh, he's done everything he could to, to reduce the number of people who uh, get adequate health care. And, of course, neither Trump nor the, uh, the presumptive uh, Democratic nominee have any interest in nationalizing medicine and, and making sure that everybody's covered. Instead, they're going to st- continue down the path that uh, no financial products need to be purchased by everybody. Insurance needs to be purchased by everybody. They're not gonna, we're not going to even talk about health care. We're going to talk about financial products that we want everybody to buy. And I got to tell you, all the stimulus money, there's a cost to it, folks. They're not even printing this money. They're just injecting this money electronically into the system. And people talk about fiat currency, this idea that currency doesn't really have value except for what you know, a country says it has. They manipulate the value of the currency. 
in you know falsely at some point the piper has to get paid here what what all of this means is that again the global economy continues to operate at a higher and higher and higher level of debt so the potential for economic collapse if you think the economy's collapsed already you're wrong it hasn't yet this hasn't been economic collapse yeah a lot of people unemployed you know but hell they're still falsely they're going to send a bunch of checks to people and for a very short time there will be a net positive impact by people getting these checks but at some point this idea that there's more currency in the system and that currency doesn't have anything backing it other than somebody's word that by definition is credit it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous situation and and that's that's kind of where it's at all right, hey, I'm going to take a break here. In, um, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I, I do have to give some updates. There are confirmed cases uh, on Seneca Nation territory, both in Allegheny and, and in Cattaraugus, so I'm going to talk about that. I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit. There's also been a bit of a dust-up between the Seneca Nation and the uh, NFTA, the Niagara, what is it called, Niagara Front... Uh, Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority. <laughs> so their bus systems, which used to run out to Seneca Territory from Buffalo. And uh, as of me looking at the NFDA site tonight, they have ceased to bring those buses out to um, out to Seneca Territory. I'll explain why, what the what the dust up was all about, um, and you know my, my concerns about it. Either way. Uh, the concerns that the Seneca people had in, about it in the first one. We'll talk about that when we come back. And, of course, there was also uh, the other bit of news. It, was, um, it sounds like the Seneca Nation is, is, is finally getting uh, going to have the capability to do testing, not just get test kits, but even the possibly the equipment to do the testing. We're two months into this you know, global pandemic, and, and, but it looks like, and I don't know what the delay was caused by, but... Finally, the Seneca Nation looks like they're going to be in a, in a position to uh, to do some testing because I know there hasn't been a whole lot being done. So we'll talk about that when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be back in a minute. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Hey, I want to give a uh, shout-out to my sponsors, uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE Family of Businesses, uh, um, uh, Eric White and EDRW Enterprises, the good folks at Grand River Enterprises, and uh, NWS. I want to thank those guys for supporting us uh, on a really regular basis and, and for quite some time. I mean, these guys have been with, with us for a, a while. You know, we've, we've been doing this for over 10 years. We used to be on commercial radio, and now we're uh, in our own studio. So our market's a little different. We don't do advertisements. We're not on commercial radio. We, you know, we're, we basically are do podcasts and videos. And uh, there are a couple of radio stations, Internet and others, that, uh, that carry the show. Um, but um, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a different animal than it used to be when I was, you know, in, uh, on commercial radio in Buffalo. Um, but, but it makes it... It makes those individuals who continue to support the show, even the ones who do it occasionally, I mean, it makes it makes a big difference. It allows us to buy additional pieces of equipment to do do some things, uh, you know, expand our capabilities and that kind of stuff. So I appreciate that. And you know, of course, we're doing also my New York show out of this studio now. But I'm not making the trip to New York, um, which isn't 
more expensive, but it, um, uh, but it, but again, it, it, it gives us more to do here. So uh, again, I want to thank all those people who, who support the show. Uh, look, I also want to thank you guys who share the show. My wife, in particular, who shares the show across a whole bunch of Facebook platforms um, uh, or group pages. Uh, those of you who share the the podcasts and the and the YouTube videos, um, I do encourage you to go to my uh, uh, my website. Again, we've got a we've got a bit of a store. We got some uh, merchandise that you guys can check out. We have you know a photo gallery. We've got links to the YouTube videos, links to the podcast, all of that stuff. And you can also listen to the show twenty four seven. When we're not live, we're just running um, old shows that are kind of a, a loop. You'll probably won't even catch the same show twice because we've got years. <laughs> of shows that uh that cycle through on uh on that live on that feed on that 24 feet uh 24 hour feed when we're live um that feed turns into just this live broadcast so um so you can you can check that out hey um uh, one thing i want to be clear the the total for the um the entire globe right now uh stands at one million uh seven hundred seventy nine thousand and ninety nine by um in a couple of days that will be um actually probably by tomorrow it'll be it'll be two and a half million two and a half million people i mean that's how fast this thing is growing and look i know people are still trying to compare it to the flu and and they're using either false data i I saw somebody say something well um the number of severe cases of the flu last year resulted in this many deaths well you said severe cases you didn't say just people who just like uh you know the flu people just get like a a little more than cold uh symptoms as well um just like this one that many people will walk away from this thing just fine but the but the older folks and the the people who with underlying conditions whether it's you know respiratory conditions or whether it's other you know diabetes um heart conditions blood pressure issues um you know there are any number of underlying conditions that um the factor into this thing you, you, you know i just had to think of something i i, I want to give a shout out and a congratulations to charlie lowry she is um just one of my favorite performers she's she's tuscora from uh, north carolina she uh got a kidney transplant she's been waiting for three and a half years and charlie just got a new kidney um on thursday she got the call wednesday night she um she got the uh the transplant done on thursday and she was she was on facebook on friday you know thanking everybody for you know for the support so i want to give a shout out and congratulations and well wishes to uh to charlie lowry um who has been you know basically going through dialysis for for over three years and you know she's just a great performer great voice one of my favorite um uh, native performers so uh, again my uh shout out to to charlie lowry when i thought about underlying conditions uh, it made me think of charlie so uh anyway um all right so what's the status here in seneca territory well for the longest while um the cataraugus territory of the seneca nation was was on the erie county map uh the covid map that they had right <clears throat> the covid19 map and the only place on that Erie County map that didn't have a confirmed case um, was the Cataraugus, uh, you know, Seneca Cataraugus Territory. Well, that's no longer the case. There, there is a case, um, there is a confirmed case here, um, and the likelihood is that there are more than just one uh, one person that, that's sick with it. Um, there, you know, this is a close community. Once it once it gets here. It's here, and um, 
and we haven't had a level of testing in Seneca territory that in any way could have been used in a preemptive manner. <clears throat> I know a few individuals who who had flu-like symptoms, including you know weighted breathing and that kind of stuff, who were only advised to go home and self-quarantine for 14 days. They were not. They weren't tested, so there was no way to know. I mean, I get it. They're all saying treat everybody like they're sick, you know. And if you're ill, you know, know that there's a. You should treat yourself like you have COVID nineteen. If you're if you're if you're feeling any symptoms whatsoever, and but to to treat yourself like that, um, it's it's going to be different once you know for sure. <clears throat> so anyway, there is a there's a, uh, at least one confirmed case here on Cataraugus. There's also at least one confirmed case um, in uh, on the Allegheny territory of the Seneca Nation. So both major communities of the Seneca Nation have um, confirmed cases. Uh, look, that testing can't come fast enough because I think it's going to be really important that they try to test as many people as possible. Look, they're, right now they they do a temperature scan for you to go into certain buildings and, and that kind of stuff. Um and you know the the problem is if you got a temperature you've probably already had it for a few days you know the the one test or the one study they did in italy um when they were able when they had the first death in this one i think it was like an island community they had one death and once they had one death and they had a limited population on the island they decided to test everybody and when they tested everybody they determined that three percent of the population um tested positive once they had one confirmed death now they they had uh i think it was a death um but once they tested three percent of the population um tested positive of that population that tested positive 45 percent of them almost half of them were completely asymptomatic in other words almost half of them had no symptoms where they had no idea they were sick they didn't even sniffle not a cold not a sore throat they were completely without symptoms now Another percentage of them probably did have symptoms, and but may not have thought that their symptoms were severe enough to be COVID nineteen. So that's the sneaky nature of, you know, of really almost any, you know, infection, viral, fungal, bacterial, because not everybody reacts the same. We we all have different metabolisms. We all have different you know levels of of um, or, or strengths in our immune system. Nobody has a you know an antibody immunity to this unless you had it and and uh and survived it i guess but but this is a brand new virus so nobody had this in their in their war chest of uh, antibodies in their body so the question is once you were exposed to it do, did, did your immune system um react quickly and efe- efficiently enough to um you know to keep you from getting infected you know that that's always the question and and if if not, even if you got infected, was it able to overcome it quickly? And that's the difference between people with underlying conditions and people who are, are younger. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that's, that's a, a plus about this disease is that children seem to be in the strongest position to survive this. I'm not saying they, that there are, haven't been ch- child deaths, but they are very much the exception to the rule. I'm actually at the, um, in, the, in the risk pool. I'm, I'm 60 years old. If you're over 60, you're considered at a, at a higher risk. I don't have any underlying conditions, so that's that's a plus for me. I mean, other than probably carrying more weight than I should be, but <laughs> so I guess I have that. But uh, but uh, you know, I'm pretty healthy. 
but I, you know i'm i'm really cautious you know i don't want to get you know certainly i don't want to bring anything in and get get my buddy jake here sick or bring anything home to my wife or my father-in-law who's 76 and 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 has a, a breathing condition already he's, he's got an oxygen machine i don't want to expose anybody to that stuff that's why i stopped going to new york the first week in march before anybody was really trying to shut much of anything down you know like i said the first indication that i had that things were getting really really tough was when the south by southwest um arts festival was canceled in austin texas i said that's pretty serious so that's when i you know gave the full consideration and said no i'm not going to new york but you know so we've been dodging a bullet look i've got family in california and family in texas and uh and you know i've stayed in touch with everybody and say well thus far we don't have any cases confirmed here on the native territory that i live on i i can't say that anymore now we'll see whether these two confirmed cases ultimately translate to to many more or if they were already there for that matter and this is now just kind of you know pulling the curtain back a little bit um we'll see we'll see um all right so here's the deal with the buses so the the nfta the 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 niagara frontier transportation authority they run buses throughout the city and i think it includes the city buses and that kind of thing and some of their buses you know go up to niagara falls they 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 cover you know a good piece of western new york i think the farthest trip they make at least south of the city, has been to the Seneca Nation. They, they used to pull right to the Seneca Bingo. They used to bring players out. People would come out, take the bus out, and they played bingo. And, of course, people who live here on Seneca Territory would also take that bus if they had to go to go to the city for something. You know, they had to go to court or something, I don't know, or visit people. I mean, look, we have people. We have a, um, a significant percentage of uh, Native people who live in every urban, urban environment, Buffalo, Niagara Falls, New York City, I mean, all of that. So anyway, these buses were, were, were would come. Its final stop uh, on this southern route was the Seneca Nation, you know, to the, to the Seneca Nation Bingo Hall. I think it was the only stop as, as far as, and, and I didn't know that until I went on the NFDA website and I saw. Well, they have a notice on there now that they've, that they've they have ceased um, taking bus number 76 to... Um, uh, to Seneca Territory anymore. And they now only go as far as Lotus Point Road, which is the, the main road to the Evangola State Park. Um, so why did that happen? Well, there were some people who were were concerned about folks coming by bus. Since the bingo hall wasn't open anymore, There was no, it wasn't bringing bingo players. But there were still people, and you know there we can debate how many whether it was a handful or more than a handful i know none of the nfda buses were were very packed as of late it used to be quite a few people but so these buses were coming out with folks from you know from buffalo or, or along the way from buffalo and they were um they were getting off of the bingo hall parking lot and and since bingo hall shut down the folks who were coming would go across the street and they would go to go to the gas station across the street and they would buy, you know, cigarettes or, you know, tobacco products, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, vaping products for all I know, whatever they're buying. Well, that continued. And a growing number of Seneca people said, look, we don't, Buffalo's a hot spot. We don't want folks from Buffalo coming to, uh, to Seneca territory and, and just kind of hanging around. Now, the problem that I have with that is 
these are the only folks that were were getting the attention. There's still people every day that drive in from Buffalo. There's probably still people coming in from New York City for all we know by car. But they they have cars. You know, there there are actually other other. Um, there's probably Uber drivers. So there are people who don't have vehicles. There are probably there are people who uh, um, who, who come out in these you know group vans. You know, like YMCA. Probably even some church vans. And that, there are people who have been coming to the Seneca and still come to the Seneca Nation territory specifically to buy tobacco products and, and other products at the stores. And certainly there have been a bunch of people coming out here to buy gas because there's been this crazy fuel gas war going on both in uh, Cattaraugus territory and Allegheny territory. Dollar, I mean, gas selling for under a buck. I mean, a dollar cheaper than off territory. I mean, craziness as far as, as far as I you know I, I can see but but again so there's been these you know crazy uh, fuel price uh wars going on drawing you know people in. so customers have been coming to the Seneca territory granted there's no bingo hall there you know there are other things that 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 they can't come here but they certainly can come and get gas they, they, there's no restaurants that they can go eat at I mean um I don't know. The, I don't even know if there's any Seneca takeout. I guess no. I guess there's a few uh, restaurants were doing some sort of takeout, but there was no place to come here and sit down and relax and enjoy yourself at the Seneca Nation territory. You could come here, you could gas up your car, you could buy cigarettes, and you, then you, you could go home. Now, if you came by bus, that means you had to hang around until the next bus came through. And a fair number of, of Seneca people, and and it is their right. Now, don't get me wrong. It is. The, the Seneca people have a right to decide whether they want um, Western New York, you know, Buffalo's bus system coming to the territory or not. It does get a little bit dicey, though, because it, it, there's a way to interpret this as as scrutinizing the 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 personnel on a bus, you know, so. And and it's not necessarily a racial thing. I mean, but it's certainly you're talking about people who don't have a vehicle. So if you're going to say everybody else can come, but we don't want people who rode together on a bus who might be strangers to each other. So it might be just a, a random group of people riding together. And and there's some justifiable concerns. But apparently, what happened, and I don't know specifically, and I'll and I'll as I get more information. At some point, the, the, the Seneca Nation marshals told a, the bus driver who pulled onto the, to the bingo hall parking lot that he could no longer um, drop off and pick up um, riders at, um, on Sen- uh, uh, you know, on that, at that stop. So the Cat Res, the, the store across the street from there, said, well, the bus can come here then. And when the bus did go there, the marshals pulled on to now what is private property, which you know crosses the line for a lot of people and told the driver and 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 at some point threatened the driver to comp- that they would confiscate or impound the vehicle now i don't know if ricky armstrong or the or the seneca council ever formally contacted up to this point anyway the nfda to say look we want we want you to cease including seneca territory on your route and and certainly the seneca nation has the right to do that you know, regardless of how you feel about, you know, 
focusing on buffalo or on, on bus riders uh as a people that you want to you want to dub as persona non grata i mean that's what you want to do but they certainly have a right to, to there are native territories all over the u.s and canada or on either side of the imaginary line um where people have said no we don't want people coming through our territories anymore Seneca Nation is a little tough because there's there are major highways. You know, Allegheny's got the uh, the Interstate 86 and uh, and um, you know US 17 that goes through. You've got um, uh, in here in uh, you know, 219 as well that comes down through there. Uh, US 219 in up in Cataraugus, you've got the the Thruway Interstate 90. You've got US uh, uh, Route 5 and US Route 20 that cut through. There there are major roads that go through this, these territories. That these I'm not saying they haven't been blocked, but there's a you know there's a fallout for doing something like that. Now, so if if the Seneca people wanted to put up checkpoints and check everybody who came on the territory. I think they have a right to do it, um, but there's a cost associated with it, and and there's obviously a public relations cost. There are other territories. I, I I think in Tuscarora, there you know at least after certain hours they they close off. They don't want people coming through at uh, odd hours of the night. So they, they've done some things in in various places. Certainly, a bunch of the places on on the other side of the imaginary line have done it. So there's no question that the Seneca people have a right to secure their territory, especially in light of this this threat whether and and although it's not a threat from anybody specific it's a it's a threat essentially you know to the health and welfare of of the entire community but again i don't know if there was a formal um uh notification to nfta prior to these two incidents where where the marshals stopped the bus i i heard there was but i don't know for i haven't seen that document so but I will say, as of tonight, when I went on the NFTA website, they are no longer listing the bingo, Seneca Bingo Hall as one of their stops. They're, they're only going as far out as Lotus Point Road, which is the Evangola State Park uh, Road off of Route 5. Um, so it's a, it's a moot point now. But it was a bit of a contentious point. And, and I got to tell you, I'm still a little troubled that there is a class of people i would say and I, you know it's not a race of people but there's a class of people who have been scrutinized at a higher level than anybody else and you know and i'm you know look i i travel a lot and i'm a little bit more cognizant of uh, but i get it i get any community uh having their own apprehension about outsiders coming through but you know here in Seneca territory where there are there's so much of a retail economy private sector and Seneca Nation uh, enterprises, <clears throat> it's a little tough to have it both ways. You're either, you're either open for business or you're not open for business. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's problematic. It's a little tough to say we're open for business for people who have their own cars or we're open for business for people who we think look better than other people. I, I, I don't know. I, I, so it is a little bit problematic. I... <clears throat> You know, but I get it. Buffalo is a bit of a hot spot, at least you know, relative to our immediate surroundings. There's a lot more COVID, you know, positive COVID cases out of Buffalo than than out of any other place around here. But you know, but I will say there, there's no question that the Seneca people had the right to do this, um, and 
at some point, somebody, I mean, what, I, I don't know that it was just the action of the marshals, but at some point, I assume there was enough of a notification to, to NFTA. So that um, stop is no longer as a part of the route. Now, the question is going to be, is when this is all all over, are they going to be able to say, all right, you're welcome to come back now? I mean, and if the NFDA says, no, we're good. Now, will the Seneca Nation cry foul? Will Seneca's cry foul? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see, see how that plays out. All right. One other, uh, I mean, what I think is a big piece of news um, is that, like I said, the it sounds like the Indian Health Services, uh, in cooperation with the CDC or whatever else, is um, making testing available to this uh, to the Seneca Nation. That's a big deal. I mean, uh, it's it's one of the things that I said early on that you know when when I first heard the the quote was what's the what's your ask to the federal government? And I, well, I think one of the obvious asks should have been is how can the Seneca Nation, with its own clinic and an old health department, um, begin to administer, administer tests? I don't know at what point the Seneca Nation asked to do that. Or if they ever asked, were they just waiting for it to be offered? I don't know. But we're two months into this thing. It's a, it's a little concerning to me. And because it hasn't happened yet, it's still, you know, Ricky Armstrong gave a, a press conference today and uh, or, or did a video, and, and, and he was happy to announce it. And it, it is good news. But, man, it's, it's a little late in the coming. And, you know, again, I'm not blaming Seneca, uh, Seneca leadership or anything else, but... Yeah, sure would have been nice to have this, you know, I mean, especially when you consider some of the, the older folks that are here. Now, we have not, we have not experienced by, any, you know, at least in my estimation, any real crisis here yet. I haven't heard of any, you know, COVID deaths. You know, look, we finally just got two confirmed cases. But, uh, um, but you know, you, you don't know because, you know, look, people, you know, people die. And it'd be nice to know if, if you know, that this is one of the contributing causes to it. So, um, you know, on that note about taking a while, here's one of the other things that really concerns me um, at both the state and the federal level. I have heard reporter after reporter after reporter ask both Donald Trump and Andrew Cuomo, would lives have been saved if they had done a stay-at-home order um, two weeks earlier? Neither the Democrat in Albany or New York, um, nor the Republican in D.C., are big enough men to admit that if they had acted sooner, they probably would have saved lives and, and that they would have been more effective. They both want to deny that, that doing anything two weeks earlier. And, and look, this thing has been around for, for two months, uh, actually longer than that, but it's been known. It, it, it's been listed as a pandemic for over a month. So New York was not certainly wasn't fast to react i know there's a lot of people saying oh we want andrew cuomo to be president now well, all right good luck with that but i find it really problematic that anybody who's in a position of leadership um can't admit that you know swifter action would have been uh, would have been a good thing i mean it certainly wouldn't have hurt anything so at very least you say it probably would have but but most of them won't, and and frankly, their staff won't even say it. You know, so you know, Cuomo's uh, doctors and Trump's doctors, they they'll dance all the way around that issue, and they'll ref- they refuse to admit if they had acted sooner, um, that that they would have saved that they would have saved lives, and I, and I find that really really disturbing. You know, because 
I think this is a, is a big deal. And and when I hear how the the messages are being massaged and manipulated, at the same time, understanding like I like I've been harping on all evening, the fact that the only data being really collected here is data based on people who have been tested and and that that's a concern i mean that's a that's a concern and look i know there's a bunch of people out there who think that this thing is all you know bs i don't think so i i i'm i am really genuinely concerned i'm concerned about the, the you know the health of my own family my my own community this community and you know and and frankly a whole lot of people. I mean, I've got friends. I've got older friends in, in New York City. I've got older friends in, in, you know, look, I've got associates from, from you know, WBAI in New York. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I try to reach out. I've got family over, all over the country. I've reached out to, but to, to Ed, my buddy Ed, who's done so many of the shows here. You know, um, I've, you know, I've tried to reach out to people that, you know, how you doing? I've got, I've got a family, a family member, um, in, uh, in Houston, Texas, who, uh, who has been tested. I don't know if he's, if he's tested positive or not. No, I haven't had any contact with him, but, um, no, I mean, that's, these are, these are real concerns. And look, anything that I've suggested, uh, about numbers to, to look out for, if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit that I'm wrong here, you know, and, but we're going to see, as the testing continues to uh, to expand, I would love to know if this if the testing is expanding faster than than the spread of this disease. But I don't think there's any way to know that at this point. And I think it is we're going to be hard pressed to know what any of these numbers mean, probably for years to come. It's going to take a it's going to take a lot of reflection, and it's going to be and there may be numbers that we never know because if if they aren't testing people who pass away. Uh, in in some capacity, because it's scary. One one other image that I gotta I gotta mention. If you haven't seen this this image of these mass burials going on on Hart Island in New York, it's it's really disturbing. I mean, the first thing when you see a long a big ditch uh, uh, dug, it starts to look like you know wounded knee. <laughs> the difference is. These are these are people who are in 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 boxes being put in, in the, you know in makeshift coffins or whatever. But I mean, just the idea of this thing it, it's it's really disturbing. It's and you know they can't look they they couldn't hide it. Um, yeah, somebody flew a drone over it and and shot some video. You can find it online. But I'll tell you, you know, if you're a native person, knowing what we experienced because of disease that came from Europe and. That's another revelation that has come out. The, it, it appears that most of the infection in um, North America has come from Europe, not from Asia. Not from China, <laughs> but from Europe. And, you know, so if you're native and you're, you're aware of the disease that, you know, that ravaged our people, you know, you know centuries ago. Um, and then when you think about mass burials and that kind of stuff, it's it's disturbing on a bunch of different levels. And and I got to think that there are Native people who, in seeing some of the stuff and experiencing what we're going through, are reliving a sense of historical trauma over again. And you know, so so I, I want to at least acknowledge that. All right. 
So we're going to be <laughs> we'll be back here on Tuesday. We'll see what the numbers look like. We'll see if any of the things that I'm suggesting concern me uh, come true. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll see that on Tuesday. So thanks for joining me. And we'll see you back here on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Nyawe. Thank you.